This is the Aerobic Capacity Podcast, your source for endurance training. Hey, Chris, how's it going? I'm well, Sammy. How about yourself? I'm wonderful. So there's something that might be of a lot of interest to the community because, you know, every not everybody, but a lot of people saw our post that we did on our Instagram page because you and Heidi did a really cool trip two weeks ago to California. So please tell us what was it all about? Where did you guys went and what was the experience like? It was an incredible experience, first of all, um, on so many levels. Uh, the people that we worked with uh, at Camp Pendleton uh, were, it was just it's really profound for me. Um, and it was, it was very attractive in the sense, the people that we coordinated this with and um, we coached, was truly unique. It was an advanced group of, of Marines uh, that were part of their force fitness um, initiative, um, which is, is really trying to bring every battalion a, a force fitness instructor who is really more advanced uh, than any of the other instructors um, in terms of uh, fitness, injury prevention, nutrition, weight loss, um, and so we offered for the first time a, a level two course. Uh, it was over two days. And um, that to me was was also exciting. So the, the group of individuals that we had, but also the content um, was was really, uh, it for me, it was one of the better experiences that I've ever had. Loved it. Loved oh, it. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Camp Pendleton's an interesting um army base you know it's it's a place that i used to ride my bike through back when i was doing triathlons back in you know phew, when i was in my my late 20s because i lived in in southern california cardiff and um yeah we would always ride through the base and i knew it was big but by going on the base for the very first time and and having you know driving privileges it's a massive facility. It is, it's the, the scale of it is, is really, um, it was nerve wracking actually when we went in there and, and seeing the number of Marines that are on that base. Um, yeah, a, a very, very, um, interesting experience for me. Um, wow. and it motivated me. It motivated me to, to really, respect this this community um which i always have but just an appreciation for the scale of what they're having to do is is i mean it's mind-bending to, to, to think that you know class sizes you know are, are several thousand uh, marines and you know we're used to class sizes of you know 20 to 30 you know a big seminar would be 50. Uh, wow. and so yeah it was cool yeah. really cool Talking about seminars, I mean, a lot of people visited your level one, the aerobic capacity seminar. Yeah. So over the years, it was a huge success. You, you, you and Heidi traveled all around the globe. So give us a little bit more insights into the level two. What's, what's the difference? What can people expect in the future? 
So for me, the level one is it's it's a it's a basic course, um, and it's only one day. And and so for me, I have to stop myself in in sharing too much. It's easy to to run um, that course long, as as you know. It's always one of those things that I'm watching the watch and. You know whether it's you or or Heidi, and, and it's like you know how are we doing on time, um, and and so a level two it it, it offers um, much greater insights um, and detail on on programming itself. Uh, one of the things that we dove into was you know writing of workouts and understanding um, how to manipulate the qualities within. A workout to drive specific adaptations, but doing it not just for a global population, but if you know the type of athlete or the athlete knows um, what type they are, whether or not they're a speed strength power athlete um, or they're an endurance athlete that's good in long time domains um, uh, and they have excellent recovery how should you train those athletes and how would you train them differently to maximize adaptation more efficiently? And for the Marines, that's very important. Um, you know, they, they're looking at, you know, being one of the fittest uh, military organizations in the world. They pride themselves on, you know, their ability to, to be mobile and to be able to move. Uh, the problem is, is that, um, if if you are are taking a new marine through basic training, there is a substantial risk the, of injury, and how to progress that marine from virtually zero fitness to to passing through boot camp and and being you know uh, um, physically capable of you know performing any mission and and also doing it safely and that is a, that's a hard thing, you know, and one of the things that the military is firmly aware of is that if you can personalize uh, workouts towards an individual, the adaptation is, is even, you know, more accurate. It's, it's, it's more precise and, and um, you see greater levels of improvement with less risk of injury. But how do you do that for, you know, a thousand people at once when, you know, a, a, a trainer doesn't know anything about them. And so it gave me an opportunity to have these conversations, but do it more like case studies and looking at a, a current situation and, and how would you do the assessment and then how do you write protocols? So here's, here's a good example. You know, they have a three mile test uh, in the United States Marine Corps. And so their, their physical fitness test uh, it's, it's a three mile run. Well, one of the things that made it very clear when I was there is that it would be incredible if all Marines could be do, able to do uh, a three mile run in 24 minutes or, or under. So eight minute mile pace. Well, the problem is, is that, you know what, if that's a target, like a dream, like if we can get them all to be able to do it, it's a sign that right away, that's, that is a challenge. So how do you you write things where you can do assessments of large populations of people all at the same time? Well, what I did is is I 
showed them that we're going to do a what we call a pacing-based workout, and we measured in their parade deck. Um, it's a flat, open space asphalt, and we measured out a starting line, and exactly 100 meters away, we we targeted a what we call a finish line. And in this workout, we ran a series of intervals um, that were 30 seconds long. And I told them that we're going to do these intervals um, from the starting point, and you're going to run 30 seconds. And what I'm looking for is for you to be able to match an eight-minute mile pace. And if you do that, when I yell stop at the end of 30 seconds, you should be at that 100-meter line. And what I did is I gave all the Marines, I gave them that were attending so they understood that this was a game. We created um, like circles around their feet at the starting line. And then during the warm up, we went to the finish line and they also created a circle. So they saw where their targets were both coming and going. I gave them 15 seconds of rest in between those 30 second intervals, which was a lot, but Again, I knew nothing about the level of fitness that these these you know twenty five people were were you know currently having in the movement of running, and so three, two, one, go. They they take off, and because I'm the only one with a watch, everybody and they were fresh, good warm up. They ran too far. They had fifteen seconds to get back on their spot. Now, in a in about three of them. I taught them, you know, the skill of breathing and being able to monitor their intensity based upon their breath. Um, and when that rhythm of the breath gets established, it's a sign that their aerobic system, their cardiorespiratory system, it's it's warm, and they could start monitoring their breath to to judge their their intensity. And um, the goal was is that when I yell stop, if they can make one broad jump and land both feet in their circle, they would get a point. And so essentially they were running 30 seconds and their goal was to get exactly a hundred meters. Um, they can do one broad jump to get to that exact point. And if they do that, they get a point rest 15 seconds and then head back to the original starting location. And they would go back and forth. I want to say we did a total of, uh, we did two rounds of that, a uh, total of 10 each time. And here were, athletes that have never done this before. They had no watch. They had to go strictly on feel. And what they were doing as a class, uh, because of the amount of recovery time, uh, 15 seconds, they were all able to, to make the target distance, all of them, um, and easily. In addition, I gamified it. And when we were done, I asked him, I said, would you guys be interested in doing two more just to see whether or not you actually can get two more points? And unanimously, every single one of them wanted to do it. It was interesting that to gamify it, it turned a movement that they they didn't enjoy into something they did enjoy. But more importantly, when they found out what they were actually doing, that they were running at an eight-minute mile pace, I ran them well over a mile. Um, they saw that I was able to establish um, a baseline workout for them that we can build off of. And if I was taking this group and, and I was trying to build volume, then what I would do is instead of doing two rounds uh, times 10 repetitions at 30 seconds on with 15 seconds of rest, 
we can do uh, three rounds. We can do two rounds of 15 each. I can gradually increase and add more volume um, and step it in a way where they're confident that they can be successful because of the success that they had in the previous workout. So I asked them, I said, let me ask you, you know, you guys did a total of 20 repetitions. Do you think that you could have done 30 repetitions? And they all said yes, which is interesting. I can now provide a workout that's 30 repetitions and they all are confident that they can do it. So if I want to drive the adaptation in terms of building capacity, right, then I just add and create more time on their feet. Now, I easily could have started out at a nine-minute mile pace and made them run 30 seconds and said, you know what, at nine-minute mile, you're going to run, I think it's 87 meters, you're going to run 87 meters. Well, let's just say that the goal is to get them down to eight minutes per mile. What I then would do is have them run 30 seconds, but instead of running 87 meters the next time, the whole workout remains the same, except instead of running 87 meters, I want you to run 90 meters. Can you run three meters longer in the next workout? Do you have that confidence? And they all said, if, if we had to do that again, could we run five meters longer? And they all said, you know, if the volume stays the same, the time domain of 30 seconds stays the same, but you want me to run five meters further, meaning I gotta run a little faster, yeah, I could do that. And what adaptation that brings is, uh, we're gonna make you faster. We're gonna drive the adaptation into speed. And then the last piece was, is that could you guys all do the same workout? And what if I reduced the rest from 15 down to 12 seconds? Could you have done it? And they all said, yes. I said, could you have done it if I reduced it down to 10 seconds, but I also made you do five fast air squats in the middle? And the answer was no. Now, the reason for doing that and shrinking or making the recovery more challenging is volume not by making you run faster, but we're we're giving you less rest. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. I mean, if we're doing a interval style workout at your targeted three mile run speed, what we wanna do is we wanna obviously get the volume up to your three mile distance at your targeted speed. And the way you're gonna do your targeted speed is we give you recovery what we gradually do is shrink out the total recovery. And so the last logical step is an unbroken three mile run at your target pace. But what we showed them in just that workout um, was how to do that for an entire group of people. And, and if you did that um, through an initial assessment protocol, you, could, you can create individual goals uh, for every Marine. You know, is it a nine minute target that you're you're trying to go in the three mile? Is it a eight minute target, a seven minute target? Or for a hundred points in their three mile, you have to go 18 minutes uh, for kids and six minute mile pace. That you need to determine at the onset so that you now have individualized goals that the Marine believes is achievable. The whole thing is all about confidence and accountability and that's where there was the biggest alignments in terms of what I do and the Marine Corps does. It's about soldier accountability and what I refer to it as athlete accountability, that responsibility of, of owning their own fitness, but you must give them that knowledge, the tools so that they can do a better assessment. 
And that's where the level two comes in. A level two allows us to do that deeper dive so that we can, can pass that ownership off. And, and what we now become as coaches is facilitators to maximize adaptation in a more efficient and effective way. Um, and all we're doing is providing workouts that demonstrate that. But if the individual is resisting, then they're not participating and they're not assuming any ownership of that workout. So if they fail, that's your fault as the coach. And for me, I'm not into that. You need that athlete or that Marine to take responsibility. And that's where we were, were genuinely aligned uh, in, in, in both our own individual mission statements. So just to take it to the broader audience, you know, in the level one, people really got to know themselves as an athlete. Mm -hmm. They learned the concept of pacing, you know, all those drills that you did, for example, with the roar and not showing the display, this, the, the jump rope within the warm up, you know, counting and everybody that hears that knows, you know, I did that a couple of years ago, Chris, you know, show, showed us all those concepts. So you got to know yourself in level one. Now, what do you do with it? Is the message that's right, and so, so like for example, you know, if we were talking about recovery. Well, if you understand your strengths and weaknesses, or you understand your targeted adaptation that you're 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 going to drive as a coach, um, let's just say that 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 we we dive into recovery. Okay, so let's say the workout is is going to be a series of of intervals that are high intensity. Now we have two options in terms of recovery. We can do that high intensity interval and then we can rest passively. We can sit around and do nothing. So you could do, a, let's say a hundred meter sprint and then sit around and do nothing for three minutes. Um, or you could do a hundred meter sprint and then you could do a, what we call a passive recovery. You could do a walk or you could do a jog or you could do a, you know, a moderate intensity or, you know, run. And, and continuing alternating between, you know, a high intensity effort and a uh, active recovery, uh, passive rest. Well, what's the reason for doing passive recovery versus an active recovery? And what types of athletes should be doing more passive recoveries and which types of athletes should be doing more active recoveries? And that's the thing is that If you understand what type of athlete you are and you understand what your, your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish, that type of recovery matters. It matters. I mean, the thing is, is that if you are a fast twitch dominant athlete, you're super explosive, um, you're a great sprinter, but you want to get better at longer distance time domains. You want to get better at doing high volume running. Well, so what type of, of recovery should that person take? Well, the thing is, is that we know they have an incredible anaerobic capacity. They have an ability to keep their muscles firing under heavy amounts of buildup of lactic acid, right? Those hydrogen ions, interference with the muscle's ability to function. They have a great tolerance to that. So should we give them passive or active recovery. 
I mean, a passive recovery or, you know, a, a, um, a, um, a recovery, I'm sorry, a recovery where, you know, they just sit around and, and do nothing. Um, should we really allow them? I got to start that over. No worries. I'll cut it out. It's, it's at a 90 um, minute, 90 minute mark. Um, so let's start that whole thing over. So if we're talking about athletes and you understand through an assessment protocol, what type of athlete that you are, should you do an active recovery workout or should you do something where, um, you know, it's zero pass, you know, it's a passive recovery. Wait, I'm confused. One second. Yeah, we have all the time in the world. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm 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 literally having a um... seriously. But I I I I challenged you on the spot with you know talking about a level two. It's, no, but that's what I wanted. To, I think that's a great thing to talk about. Yeah, I'll take notes for the editing. All right. Second, no, yeah, I wanted to. I think talking about a level two would be great. Come on, you're ready. All right. So, in the level one, what we learned was how to assess athletes and, and how to really are you a, a speed strength power athlete? Are you good in, in short time domains? Or are you an endurance athlete? Do you have exceptional recovery? Are you good in longer time domains? And so what we want to do is we want to, once we understand that, how do we create programming that maximizes adaptations towards specific goals based upon the type of athlete that you are? You know, creating this model that is an athlete-centered model that looks at what the goals are of those, the, that individual. And so let's say that you're a, a sprinter that wants to get better at longer time domains. Okay. You know then that you're a sprinter. You know that you're good in short time domains. So then the question would be is, what type of recovery would be best for you? And what would be the reasons why? I mean, should you be doing active recoveries between high intensity intervals or should you sit around and do nothing? you know, between those high intensity intervals. And if you're wanting to get better at it, that's where this level two comes in because we can now do a deeper dive into just the recovery protocols. So let's take that, that athlete that wants to, you know, he's, that, that athlete that he or she is a, a sprinter, an anaerobic fast twitch dominant athlete, super explosive, but wants to get better at longer time domains. The recovery protocol, let's think this through. If they do a high intensity effort, um, what has happened with that, that individual is that because of that high intensity and being fresh, they're going to activate their fast twitch fibers and they're going to generate lactic acid and there is going to be lactic acid in the muscles. So now if we allow them to sit around and do nothing, what will ultimately happen is, is that their anaerobic energy system will recover. So they'll be able then to use that in the next interval. So every interval that they do will be using fast twitch anaerobic fibers. But 
what's their targeted goal? They said they want to get better at long time domains. So really what we shouldn't do is allow that anaerobic system to have a chance to recover. What we want to do is we never want to activate it. We want our aerobic system, our slow twitch fibers using that aerobic energy, oxygen, to be recruited and used in the following intervals. That way we maximize the targeted adaptation in the direction that the athlete wants to improve. So in this case with this athlete, what should we do? Well, what we want to do is give them an active recovery. So it would be way better for them to do a high intensity effort and then go into a jog so that their anaerobic system cannot recover. They're forced to work aerobically and, and forced in that, that easy recovery jog to process that accumulation of lactate through the muscles, teach the muscles how to consume that lactate as a fuel. But by doing that active recovery, the fast twitch fibers, that anaerobic system won't have a chance to fully restore itself. And so the next interval that comes through will be more aerobic slow twitch, which is the targeted adaptation that we're chasing. So that's where you need to be uh, doing these, these deeper dives to, to target this, this next level of, of training and training precision. And that's what we can do in this level two. Um, and that what I, that's what I find exciting, you know, to, to, to share things that, that offer more precision, um, to not do it in such general terms, because part of it is, is, is we all know, Sammy, I mean, we talk about this a lot. The industry as a whole is, is looking for ways to create a, a, a greater level of adaptation faster and, the question is, is, is how do we make that happen? And the key is, is that the answer, it must be something that people understand. It must be relatable, right? And so when you talk about things, it has to be done in case study format so that people can see that this is what happens in the field. And when you encounter this, we as coaches, we have tremendous power because we're dictating that adaptation. Well, imagine if this speed strength power athlete who wants to get better at long time domains, we always have them sit around in a chair and do nothing for three minutes. They do a sprint and then sit around and do nothing. Well, the problem with that is, is that their anaerobic system fully restores itself. And now what we're doing is we're driving adaptation in the wrong direction. We're making them better at speed better at anaerobic capacity. And that's not what they wanted. They wanted aerobic capacity. They wanted to see improvements in their slow twitch aerobic fibers. And so that's the thing is that we can have the best intentions, but if we don't know the next level, the problem is, is that we might make the same mistake that we were making previously. So the level two is for everybody that took the level one, It's not only for, you know, the top athlete, the top-notch coach. No, this is a product that everybody can, you know, have value from, that everybody can learn from and kind of like build on what they've learned a couple of years ago from you in the level one. 
Yeah. So I, I, so the, the way that we did this at Camp Pendleton was we did two days. And so we were able to do a level one and a level two back to back. And then the amount of follow-up with the Marines is significant. Um, what I am, I am doing with them is, is I, I, it's an extraordinary amount of, of sharing of, of my information to help them. I am, I'm very grateful for, you know, the opportunity, but I'm also grateful for what they do. Um, and I see tremendous alignments with my philosophies in, in training with their directives. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that was an incredible directive, you know, it came from the commanding general. And, you know, Heidi and I were very fortunate to, to go to an awards ceremony at HQ at Camp Pendleton on the... Uh, early uh, on the second day, and it was it was a, this was an incredible experience to see the raising of the American flag. Um, they had their their band, um, and what they were doing was awarding uh, the Marines of the Quarter and Marines of the Year, and it was a very special um, award ceremony. And it was just a privilege to be there, and I had an opportunity to meet the commanding general there. Um, and an incredible man, obviously very accomplished. Um, and he was nice enough to come around after the ceremony and, you know, thank you for coming. Uh, but he was interested in, 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 in what I was offering. And he was very knowledgeable in, in CrossFit just, by, and you could tell from the things that he was saying. Um, and it seemed like, he knew who I was uh, in coming there. And so I had to ask about his background and he has been doing CrossFit since uh, 2011, which is incredible that you have a commanding general of, at Camp Pendleton that has been doing CrossFit for 10 years. So this man's 55 years old, I'm 57. Um, and I, I, that was very appealing to me that, that you know, his fitness, um, was a top priority. And he mentioned that fitness for, you know, for what he's doing is the top three of all the priorities that he has, which is incredible. Number three is fitness. And I, I was interested and I figured I had enough time with him considering all the people to ask a question. I said, well, why is that? And what he told me was so profound. He said, you know what I, I we, we all realize in combat that we are under an incredible amount of stress. And we also recognize that we are, are having to be physical and that physical you know, movement, no matter what it is, creates a level of fatigue. And if you throw fatigue into a stressful situation and you ask a person to make a decision in that environment under fatigue and stress, that a more fit Marine would make a better decision, a more accurate decision, a less risky decision, which is incredible because that's exactly what we talk about. I talk about this all the time. The main difference between a recreational athlete and competitor is that recreational athlete is so preoccupied with their running form, their running techniques, aches and pains. They don't understand their breathing. They don't understand their arm swing. They don't know, understand where to look, their pacing, 
they, the last thing they are familiar with is the environment, you know, what their, their, their competitor is doing, um, you know, let alone their, um, you know, they're, they're nowhere near in the same league as, as a competitive athlete, as competitive athletes, competitors are on autopilot in terms of their running form, their breathing. Um, they are thinking tactically. And that is the main difference. You know, I'll tell an interesting story about, you know, this, this, the difference between a recreational runner and a competitor runner. And it was with Jason Kalipa and, you know, in, in, in late 2012 and 13, when, when he asked me to help him with his endurance, I would do his run workouts with him and we would run side by side and we'd be on the track and he'd be on my left as we would, you know, go counterclockwise around the track. And the thing was, is that pacing was hard for him. It was, it was, you know, technique was hard. His breathing was hard. It was just, it was, he had a lot to deal with this guy. I mean, you know, he really struggled in these, these interval workouts. And what I was doing was, you know, developing this competency in all of these different areas in parallel. So he was learning running technique. He was learning breathing patterns. Um, he was learning about his paces. We were developing 13 different intensities, um, all while doing longer time domains um, in the movement of running. But I would also add in elements of tactics. And for me, what I would do is, is you know, when you run um, and you're in a group, you get bumped. And I would intentionally bump him on the turn. So it was a way to entertain myself. I mean, a lot of times I was bored running with him and then lap after lap. And what I would do is I would take my elbow and I would jam it into his bicep and I'd kind of push off. And, you know, I'd kind of squeeze him in the turn and then jam him with my bicep and shoot forward a little bit. And I would apologize like it was an accident. And about four or five months after doing this with him, I'm coming into the corner and I'm getting ready to do it. And I jam him and he turns and looks at me and he says, if you ever do that again, I'm going to flip you with my elbow. And what's going to happen is you're going to fly from lane one all the way to lane nine. And there was like a four foot chain link fence. I'm going to hit you so hard that you're going to fly over that fence. And you know, and I just stopped the, you know, right then and in the middle of the run. And he stops like 10 meters in front of me. And he's like, what, did I offend you? And I'm like, no, I'm so proud of you. And he's like, I don't understand. You know, this is our relationship. You know, it was constantly, I, I don't, you know, I don't understand. And, or I would say back, I don't understand. He's like, I threaten you. And now, now, now you come back with like a compliment. I don't know what, and I'm like, because you know, I'm playing a game. You now know after months, you realize it's a game. And the thing is, is that you now are a different type of an athlete because you're aware of the tactics. And I'd never treated him the same thing because this guy is now a competitor. He is on autopilot with everything that he was having to do. And he was now aware of his surroundings. He was aware of me. He was aware of the terrain changes, you know, the ups and the downs, the rights and the lefts. He could feel this, you know, the clouds go, you know, and cover the sun. That is a tactical athlete. And so when the commanding general tells me this about, you know, making a, a better decision, that's exactly what needs to happen that those Marines are recreational athletes and 
if they ever go into combat or if they're ever having to make a decision, they can't be recreational. They have to be competitors. And that to me was a remarkable alignment that has driven me as a, an athlete my entire life. And, and to hear that from a senior official was really, um, that was inspiring to me. Because the biggest problem in, in, in health and fitness today is, is um, people that you will never meet that don't want change because they want to do it the way that they've always done it. And what you need is someone that understands through their experience a, a better way. And that to me is that is is a rare find it's a rare find and so i left camp pendleton um incredibly inspired and motivated knowing that there is interest of creating uh not recreational athlete marines but competitive athlete marines and that alignment is is my i, I it's a it's a rare thing to find and to hear well exciting things to come that's all i can say yeah i mean i the thing was is that it also allowed me you know we went into the swimming pool we did a pool workout i mean we did a lot of things there uh because of the equipment and what i was able to do was steer content um towards uh what they they consider part of their physical fitness test requirements or their combat fitness test requirements. And so, you know, learning, you know, the difference of, of running in, in combat boots, you know, they have to do an 800 meter run. And what is that like? Um, and, and what's the, 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 the amount of fatigue that the boots represent and wearing, you know, the pants that they have to wear. Uh, that to me was, was interesting uh, insights. But so follow up with them, uh, you know, there's a lot of information that I'm sending their way to help them personalize uh, workouts for, you know, the next recruiting classes. Um, and that to me, there's a lot of appeal. Um, you know, we have known distances that they want to train um, that, that the Marines are tested on, but they also recognize that a Marine has to be fit in, in everything. Um, and these tests are just basic assessment tests. Um, and what I want to do is, is help them use those results to, to create, um, a greater level of personalization, but also lifelong fitness while they're in the core. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Yep. So this was the first level two that, that we did. Uh, and, You know, it's something that I wanted to do all last year, um, but COVID knocked that out. And so, you know, I think that that certainly doing more of these, you know, on different types of, of military bases um, has, to, you know, a personal value for me. Um, but I also can do it for the 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 people that have gone through the uh, the aerobic capacity level one course. And again, that would be just a one day uh, course that we would essentially go through and, and do deeper dives by, you know, really close looks at, at case studies and, and recommendations in terms of protocols uh, 
for, you know, different types of, of athletes. Well, awesome. Cool. Exciting things to come. I can just repeat myself. Thank you so much. Yep. You're welcome. No, I looking forward to it. And, and um, again, if, if, you know, from a military standpoint, you know, if, if I can help, uh, I, 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 I will, um, you know, the thing that was really appealing was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to understand and, and, and help. And there is a lot of parallels. And that was the thing that I learned between what I do and what, you know, the Marine Corps does. And we cannot forget the fact that what we do within CrossFit is we coach recreational athletes. And what we're trying to do is make them competitive in a multitude of movements. That's what we're really trying to do. These are not specialists in a particular sport. They want to be good in a broad range of things. And there's no difference with anybody in the military. They want to be good in a broad range of things. They want to be competitive in a broad range of movements. And so by taking what we have learned in working with recreational CrossFits, the non-specialists, and trying to make them into competitors, there's so many parallels that can be driven with in the military organizations, um, certainly here in the U.S., And that I find um, I find very appealing because you know their 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 mission statement is is it's not you know fitness is something that's important but what they're looking for is is fitness to make better decisions and also to create a a more robust marine you know someone that's not going to get injured they're going to stay healthy they're going to stay safe and. That to me is is exciting and it's um, enriching and you know for me very rewarding. Yeah, well, everybody knows you're all about giving back. We at Aerobic Capacity are about giving back, and this is a great opportunity to showcase you know your knowledge and giving that to those specialists in the forces. I mean, what more can yeah. you say? Yeah, I mean, this was one of the things that we. We, you know, and it was recognized, you know, the, the even the general, you know, so he came out and and attended that same day. Uh, I personalized workouts based upon earlier results um, for roughly, you know, 25 people, and and he came out to watch and and to have another conversation, and that was amazing because if he is wanting to come out and speak with me then he's not spending his time thinking or speaking with others, that this was a top priority. And that is very appealing as well. The fact that, that he came out and, and wanted to talk more, wanted a, you know, more understanding, um, which was great. And, and when he you know, thanked me for donating time, um, that didn't go unnoticed by them. You know, the fact that, that I'm grateful for what they have done, but they also are grateful for the value that I provided. And, you know, that's the thing is that uh, we are trying to, you know, give back to the community. And, and this is one that, you know, if I can help out, um, I'm, I'm happy to do that. You know, that the, the plan is, is that, you know, if I could provide these workouts and these protocols and these examples, um, I, I'm, I'm going to do it, um, because that's one of the things that, that I feel that, that we should do. Beautiful. All right, Chris. 
Thank you so much. That was Thanks, Sammy. fantastic insight. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.